This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm going to be diving into kind of a specialized topic today, so this may not resonate with everyone, and if it doesn't, don't worry about it. On Friday, we're going to be talking about meal planning, and I know that will resonate with a much larger group. But this episode is about thinking about planning for college or for when one of your kids is the age to go to college. So if you know anybody who is that age or has that age kids, please share this episode with them. They will really appreciate it. And I'm bringing on a guest today who I'm super excited for you to meet. Her name is Beth Pickett, and she is the founder of College Prep Counseling and the director of academic and college advising. She's been working with students across the U.S. as a college admissions counselor for more than a decade, and she's super wise. And her clients and essay students have earned admission to Harvard and Yale and Brown and UC Berkeley and UCLA and Stanford and Williams and Tulane and Colgate and Cornell and many other colleges and universities across the U.S. And actually, I didn't even know I was going to read that list when I first started recording, and my guy is going to Williams. He did not work with Beth, but I met Beth after. And when we got to talking, we decided we had to make this episode because I found the process as a mom, I found it really empowering for both myself, my husband, my kiddo applying to college. I actually really enjoyed the process. And when I first met Beth, she was like, really? That's not what I usually hear. So I decided we should just make a podcast about it. And I wanted to hear everything she shares. And she also asks me some questions on this podcast about my experience. So you'll hear both things. And again, this is a specialized episode. But one of the reasons that I wanted to put it here, even though it's for a very particular um, aged kid and parents with a particular aged kid is because it's one of, there's a few reasons. Number one, it's one of those things that I think we assume we'll just know how to do and then we don't and it's kind of stressful. And for some reason, we're not passing this info on from you know, parent group to parent group. And I think a lot of that has to do with very often our friends are the parents of 
kids our own kids' age. So if your oldest is going off to college, um, you may not have any intel since you went to college, which things have changed since then. I can tell you that right now. So that's one reason I wanted to have her on, just so that we can get the information we need. And the other thing is, you've probably heard me talk about this before because I'm kind of obsessed with it, which is that we really, I believe are going to evolve into better human beings if we're thinking about who we want to become. And I talk a lot about this in terms of us, you and me, and making a plan and really planning from the perspective of the person that we want to come. So maybe you've heard me teach about that before. And that's what we do in Flow 365 when I'm leading a retreat and I'm guiding everyone through a 90-day plan. We are... we are planning from the perspective of the person that we can envision becoming five years from now. And it's really, really powerful because it takes us out of a lot of the fear. It gets us thinking bigger. And so in the past two years, I've also shared a lot about my role as a mother and how I'm really trying to get super clear about what it means to be mothering from the perspective of just being the person who helps my children become the person they are each meant to be, not who society might want them to be or, you know, I might want them to be. And before I started doing this work, I thought that like I had let go of all the things that I might want for them. But I can tell you, it takes some work to really let go and really give them the freedom to be exactly who they want to be. And this college process really underlined that for us as a family. Um, And it was a really amazing process to test out. And it was like a real life situation (laughs) to let our son become the person that he's wanting to become. And so that was about choosing which pieces we partook in and which pieces we didn't. And one of the pieces that, you know, we didn't give him much guidance in, but we encouraged him in was in the essay writing to really dig deep. And he was very frustrated for a lot of it because it's hard to write an essay about yourself. It's hard as an adult and it's really hard as a 17 or 18 year old kid, right? And us helping him do that had nothing to do with us telling him what to write or explaining what we thought colleges want to hear. It was really about holding space for his frustration. And it was really powerful and sometimes really hard. And the reason that I'm so passionate about this experience and so grateful for it is not that every day was like rainbows and unicorns, because I can promise you it wasn't. But because I really watched him dig out of himself who he is and be able to communicate that with someone else, namely a college. And it was just, it was an amazing process. It was an amazing process. So someday I'll distill more about that. But for right now, what I really wanted to do was get someone on the show who knows what they're talking about and who could have an intelligent conversation about this with me. And so that we could give you 
um, some framework if this is something that you're thinking about. Beth also recently wrote a book about the process. And this is definitely one of those things where there is no need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to do that when we're planning. Planning is more about deciding which pieces are for you and letting go of what's not and then actually fitting it into time. And so you could just take her framework and put it into your time frame and see how that works in your family. We don't get so much into the finances on this episode, even though we meant to, but we got so into the other parts um, that we didn't quite make it there. So that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Now, a few other things that are happening, if you're still listening, maybe you have a, ki a kid going to college soon-ish in the next few years. Um, if you're still listening and you want more, you want to be supported around this process, or you want to be supported around some stuff that's going on in parenting, or you're just trying to figure out like even just that piece about me saying I held space um, for a kid who was sort of fumbling through this process. If you're curious about any of that, that's what we're up to in Flow 365. We're really committed to helping all our Flow 365ers create the lives that they're really wanting to create, to be the way that they want to be, to become the people they want to be, and, and help their family members do the same. And we find that very often, myself very much included, the caregivers don't always let themselves be cared for. And that really is at the heart of Flow 365. Yes, we're planning. Yes, we're visioning. Yes, we're helping you follow through. But it's really about having a group of people to bounce ideas off of as you're in those processes, um, getting feedback so that as the caregiver, you're getting some care too. And I always tell people, I'm getting care too. It's like we're passing it down, you know, and it's so good. So if you're curious about that, go to plansimple.com backslash connect with Mia. I'm pretty sure that's the right link. And I would love to chat with you. I would love to talk about if it's a good fit. And I would love to help you feel more balanced around all things, motherhood, work, your nutrition, spirituality, home, all the things, right? We need all the things in our life to feel balanced. All right, let's talk college, all right? And this is more than college. So if you have anyone in the teen areas, this is really going to feel good, even if they're already going off to college. I think it'll still feel good. Let's talk college and let's get the amazing Beth on the show. Hey, Beth, welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Hey there, Mia. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. I'm hoping that there are people out there for whom this is an exciting topic to listen to um, or your know, relevant topic. It is something that I really wished that more people around me were talking about, like, or I was picking up at the conversation. So I have three kids and my first is just going off to college. And I don't know, like, I just... I didn't, I feel like I was so nervous about the process and thank goodness I started asking really clarifying questions um, about a year ago. And it was every time I asked a question of, you know, somebody who'd already sent their kid off or somebody who'd been through the process more, you know, more recently than I personally had gone through it. Um, 
I just felt so much more grounded in being able to support my kid. And so I feel like it's one of those things almost equal in my book to menopause that I'm like, why aren't we all talking as parents? Like, why aren't we talking about this and like sharing experiences and really understanding the process? Because it's, you know, it's a big deal, but it doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to be stressful, but it does take a a lot of planning. And I think some of that stress comes from what you were just saying of not knowing what are all the pieces and when do they need to come together? Because those deadlines, those application deadlines are so, um, they don't move. You cannot be 10 minutes late with your submission or you're not applying that year. And a lot of students are sometimes used to turning in homework a day or two late. You can't be late with these with these applications. So that's something that absolutely understanding the process really mitigates a lot of that stress. All right. So we're going to get there because I want everyone listening to understand at least the high level process. But so there's a couple reasons that I asked Beth here. One, um, we're in a mastermind together around growing our businesses. And um, I think I said, oh, I loved the process. And Beth was like, really? I never hear that from mothers. So we wanted to talk. So we thought we'd just talk live with you a little bit. Um, and Beth just had a book come out. So I, Beth, will you tell us a little bit, just give us the background of how you got into helping parents um, get their help their kids get to college? Well, back when I was in college, I went to Stanford and I thought at the time I wanted to be a science writer. So around 2000, I was working for Harcourt, which is a big publisher. And mm-hmm. a colleague of mine there who knew I had gone to Stanford came to me and she said that her son, super bright kid, had gone to his high school counselor and said, I really want to go to an Ivy League school. Can you help me do that? And she said, oh, no one from our school has ever gotten into one of those. Don't even bother to apply. So my friend came to me and she said, well, since you went to Stanford, can you help him? And I thought, well, I know the process from when I went through and I can certainly help him with his essays because writing and editing is my thing, but the rest of it, I'm really, I'm certainly not an expert in it. So I did help him with his essays and a little bit here and there with some of the application stuff. He got into Cornell. He's now a PhD biochemist working in industry. I'll probably get his kids coming through my system soon. Oh my God, so Um, fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But it was really fun to work with him and work with a high school student who has so much potential, who sometimes doesn't They don't necessarily see how much potential they have and what their opportunities are and how to take advantage of that. And they don't sometimes understand how to look at this, not as a giant wall of judgment from the colleges, but as different opportunities and roads that will take them down the path they want to go if they can define that path. So after helping him, my own boys were small. I had some extra time when they were napping and that sort of thing. So I did the UCLA course in college counseling, earned my certificate, learned all about those other aspects that I was not that familiar with. And I felt like, okay, now I feel good about hanging out a shingle. So I started my company in 2007. Wow. So you've been doing this for some years and helped a lot of of kids, I'm sure. And it's changed so much in the years, especially after COVID. Because when the selective colleges dropped the requirement to do the SAT or ACT testing, it just, you know, the floodgates opened. And all those students who had felt like, well, now's my chance, started to apply. 
So Harvard's yeah. applications went up about 36%. I think it was yeah. around 65% for MIT, 102% increase in applications at Colgate. Incredible wow. jump. And it's not that there were so many more students out in the US, there are, they were the same number as before, but just more were applying and more students were applying to more colleges, which meant yes. that the percentages were going down. So right now, Harvard and Stanford are at about three or 4% admission rate. Most of the Ivies are in the single, they are all in the single digits. Yep. And it, it makes both parents and students nervous because they're wondering, you know, where will I go to college? What, where will I get in? How can I set this up so that I have offers? Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I'm just gonna like, I was unsure like where we were gonna go and how we were gonna ask questions. So I'm just gonna start with my experience a little bit, and then we can like we can riff off of each other. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so personally, forever, I don't know if, even if everyone listening knows this story, but so I am not a traditional learner by any way, shape or form. Thus, I've been an entrepreneur ever since college. But, um, I, you know, school just like literally wasn't for me. Yet I ended up in some pretty um, crazy school situations. <laughs> so I went to like one of the best high schools. I went to boarding school. Um, somehow somebody there convinced me I should go to business school. And I have no idea how I got in, but I got into Georgetown. So I ended up at Georgetown. And so that was kind of like six years of like somehow I made it by. I literally to this day have no idea how I'm like dis I'm undiagnosed dyslexic. So I would like read Shakespeare and like see a bird that appeared throughout the whole thing that nobody else had seen. And I would somehow cobble together a short paper. Like so I sort of like made it through with the skin of my teeth and um, I was good at having conversations with adults. And so somehow I just made it this far. But by the time I got to Georgetown, I like literally couldn't fake it anymore. Um, and I was really struggling and I had ended up like not where I needed to be and um, which spiraled me into somewhat of a depression. So I ended up leaving Georgetown at the end of my sophomore year and I went home, which is, was New Orleans at the time. That's where I grew up. And I just, I took some time to, um, you know, and this was you all, I graduated college a long time ago. <laughs> so this is like 20 something years ago, right? Like more like 30 years ago. And um, so I went home and I remember like, I just knew that I, I wanted to spend time with my family because I had gone off to school early. And I remember that I just, I didn't want to just be twiddling my thumbs. Like I felt like I needed to stay busy. So I decided that I would enroll in an art class at a community college because I had this inkling that I was meant to go to art school. So there was this like little inkling in my head. I hadn't really taken a lot of art classes. My dad was uh, an artist, so I had had that like modeling. But so I did two things. First of all, I went to community college, which was unlike anything I had ever experienced in my life. And I was just enthralled with everyone who was there. I was like, it was just so amazing to me. Like, and, and people were like, it, it was just like this, it was an amazing experience, but also I decided to take it without grades. Like I decided it didn't have to count, mm -hmm. which was another amazing thing because I was so attached to the fact that I was or wasn't doing well. So I did that and and I fell in love with, with art and design. So I ended up applying to Rhode Island School of Design and getting in and that's where I ended up. So I would say that's really where I went to college. Um, but 
and that really clicked for me as like the place that I was like definitely meant to be. All of a sudden I was like, you know, I had been this really shy, quiet person, except when I was in these one-on-one -on -one conversations with adults. But as far as my peers were considered, like I really came out of my shell. I became, you know, it was the first time I was comfortable talking about anything for extended amounts of time. Like I didn't, I lost fear of raising my hand. Like it was my place. Um, So I tell you all that because then when, when I had my kids, I was really unattached to like what school could give them. Like I never assumed that school was going to give them what they needed, which I think actually ended up serving me really well when college came up. Like that was one of my number one assumptions was like, I don't think it's all that it's chalked up to be. Um, now I have to tell you that I have three very smart un like they don't have any learning issues, children, which mm -hmm. has been one, a one, wonderful privilege to like watch. That was not my experience personally. Um, and they very much want to go to college and very much have more like, you know, without being pushed, want to study things, you know, like they want that. They, they don't mm -hmm. want to be at art school. They want that. Um, but I really like I just had this thing of like, you know, I don't really care. Like I like it's going to work out. Like I don't care. Like I could have stayed at that community college and it would have been fine. Like it was great. Like there was things that I learned there that I couldn't have learned anywhere else. My time at Georgetown, like it ended up not ending very well, but the beginning like I I say it was my most expensive four best friends. Like I have four friends who I love. And then RISD really clicked for me. Um and so I was just really unattached to the to to you know to, to what their experience would be. So I, I guess that's that was really my my starting point. And that was really helpful. And that is not, I think, the experience of a lot of um, other parents that I ran into. Mm -hmm. And because I live in New England, I don't know if it's the same in California, but living on the East Coast, I feel like there's a very strong opinion of what good college education is and it's very yep. narrow yes like very narrow so you know even as somebody who quote unquote didn't care i definitely ran into that in my own experience of like all of a sudden caring a lot and then being like oh no mia you've got to come back like so it was a very i i think i feel like as a parent there's a a big personal growth piece of it for us that I imagine not everybody knows to lean into. Correct. I think a lot of parents are overly attached to this idea of somehow, and I've been trying to, to reverse engineer this a little bit and think about where are the parents coming from when they have this list of colleges that are acceptable and the list of colleges that are not acceptable. Not, yeah. And if they are, say, you know, where they really want their student to go to an Ivy League college or one of the, you know, Duke or Georgetown, some of the super selective ones that, that aren't necessarily Ivy, but Ivy caliber. Why is that? Partly, I it's, I think, a badge of, it's like the report card for the parents. You get an A in parenting. Your student went to these kinds of colleges. But even deeper than that, I think there's an idea that it's somehow, you know, Willy Wonka's golden ticket. If you get into one of these colleges, your your student will be okay. They will be financially successful. They will you know, be launched into life with the best possible springboard into their career. But as you found, a lot of it is finding a good fit college where your student, just like you did at RISD, 
can find their voice, can feel yeah. like they can participate, learn to have those conversations. And not all colleges, whether they're Ivy League or not, will give that to each student. And there are some fabulous colleges that I've, I found that college knowledge is sort of regional. I have students here and families in California that are interested in entrepreneurship and business who have never heard of Babson. And the immediate reaction is, I've never heard of it. It must not be any good. Or the right. student in Maine who was going to Caltech, which is sort of Calif the California Institute of Technology, smaller than MIT, but certainly <laughs> high, high caliber. It's got about a 6% admission rate. The student from Maine was going and all our friends were like, oh, I'm so sorry. We've never heard of it, so it must not be good. Oh. And there are colleges in the Midwest that people are not familiar with, but they may be fabulous colleges for their student. So asking the parents to do that self-examination of, you know, why is it that, what is it that you are hoping for in this process? And then getting the students to look at themselves first, not at the name of the college. So let's back this out and say, okay, you want to study A, B, or C, you want to study business. Duke doesn't have an undergraduate business degree. They have econ, but maybe there are other colleges that better fit your needs, regardless of what the name is. So starting with the student rather than starting with the school name, that's actually the first chapter of the book and helping Ooh, I love that. people spin it around. So that's really like, who are you? What do you want out of a college? Do you do, you do your best work student in a lecture hall? where you're listening and taking notes and processing it, uh, the information that way? Or would you do better in a small seminar classroom where you are learning to have the discussions, think critically? Are you looking at engineering, which means that all the liberal arts colleges are pretty well off the table because they don't offer engineering. So there are lots of different pieces of this that the students should be thinking about before they ever even get to the name of any of the colleges. Well, and that's an interesting, interesting that you just brought up engineering, because I'll share this little piece of our story, which is, well, first of all, let me just take a step back. And I, people have heard me say this on the podcast, because we do a lot of episodes on parenting. But I've always considered that my job is to help my kids um, become themselves. And I feel like as parents, it's a very easy to project what we didn't have, what we wanted but couldn't quite get to, or what we did have and what we thought went well. Like it's so easy to project our desires, hopes, experiences on our kids. And so to me, you know, as somebody who's very aware of this and very much living this, the college was even like took me up the spiral a little bit mm -hmm. more. Like it really put that that um, mirror on both my husband and I. Like it created all sorts of conversations that we really needed to have to really allow our kid to be exactly who he's meant to be. And it's funny you say engineering because the other thing that we talk a lot and, and why I'm really passionate actually about teens in particular is not only that I have them, but also I think it's an area of, of parenting where we sort of like went with society and didn't quite, we, we sort of missed the mark of where independence makes sense. So a lot of places that I think we give a lot of independence are places where kids still actually really need to be held. And a lot of places where kids actually need to be held are where we give a lot of independence. So I just say both ways. Like, so we sort of like flip flop it a little bit, like kids still 
teenagers like love to be home with their parents for dinner, even though sometimes they're telling us they never want to see us again. <laughs> like, like they still need the structure. Their brains aren't fully functioning until they're what 25 or 26, so, right? Yep. We know that, right? So, so my son actually really wanted, really thought he wanted actually engineering. And as you know, because I told you where he's going, <laughs> he did not end up at a college right. where he's doing engineering. But in the process of really understanding what he wanted, like what his dreams were, like what the whole big picture was, um, we really started to see, like it's so easy, especially during COVID, because we didn't get to see a lot in person, right? Mm -hmm. So we were looking at a lot of brochures and like, they're all freaking the same, right? They all take a picture of their brick building that looks the prettiest. Um, the numbers start to look so weird because it's like, do I want 500? Do I want, you know, like how many people are there? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's really hard to tell. And so we just started to just really have the conversation about like, what will actually help you, but even if you did want to become an engineer, like what situation will actually help you become that the best? And he was really excited about like there being, you know, being able to connect with professors mm -hmm. and being in a small community that he could navigate um, and being he's a rower. So being able to really do his sport and not like feel like he was the, he's, he's a he's a rower and he's also a little guy. So he's like really good for his size, but you can't make up, you know, feet. <laughs> like, right. You can't make up for height. Right. And so like really in a place where he was, he felt comfortable and like he was contributing. And so all these things together, it was like, oh, like it's actually okay to be at a liberal, it's actually probably better to be at a liberal arts college and really come into himself so that if he does want to go do engineering and there's opportunities there where you can partner with other schools, which is why we said yes to that one, mm -hmm. um, he'll he'll be able to really do that from from the right place. Right. And you definitely know, right if he's at a smaller liberal arts college, he's going to have the opportunity to make those connections with the faculty. It's really interesting. There was a study in 2014 from Gallup Purdue that I reference in the book that says that the two most impactful things that um, adults talk about in their college career were mentoring and internships. And that's something that is almost never mentioned in those brochures or in the information sessions when you go visit. So I try to tell my students, if you don't have an opportunity, if the college is not facilitating that, you go find it because those are going to be the things that make the most difference. Not so much. And certainly, yes, having that Ivy League degree can get you a pop into certain experiences early on. But if you talk to most people, in their 30s, 40s, and especially in this current generation there things change so much, it really, um, what they study isn't necessarily what they're doing now. They need those yeah. skills of how to be flexible and manage um, their career path and find what yeah. they want to do and keep following that as the breadcrumbs, you know, as they move forward with their breadcrumbs, so. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, because we're all about planning here. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what it looks like, you know, for if we have a kid who, like, well, first of all, when do we need to start thinking about this? Let's get the, let's start there. There's two phases. <laughs> if you're coming out of junior high and you have time to plan, mapping out what the student thinks their coursework will be through high school, you basically want 
four years of five different categories, four years of English, four years of math, four years of science, four years of history, social science, four years of a foreign language. And I can just hear a lot of the kids go, oh, four years. But if you have those, especially at the most rigorous level, which would be international baccalaureate or advanced placement, you are then keeping the door open for those most selective colleges, which are looking for students who had the rigor. Of course, they're also looking for students who did well with those colleges, but making sure that you map those out. Not that you can't change as you go along, but at least making sure that you're covered. That's part of it. Then figuring out with the student, what do they want to explore? What do they want to learn? And finding extracurriculars during the academic year, and especially during the summers to dive deeply into that, to try it on for size. For example, one of my students who just graduated this June, last summer as a rising senior, he went to work at the Superior Court here in our county and shadowed a judge, got to be there every day at 8 a.m. in his business suit till 5 p.m., being in that whole environment of lawyers and judges and legal. And it could have gone either way. It, he could have said, oh, this is totally not what I wanted. I don't like this at all which would be great. He has time to pivot. As it turned out, it confirmed he loved all this. There were some things that he learned that he didn't like about our court system that he would like to change, but it not only helped inform his ideas of where he wanted to go in college and beyond, but it helped him articulate really good essays about this because he had actually done it. And that's something that I think a lot of students are missing in their progression through high school. Explore, discover, figure out as well as you can, not necessarily what do you wanna be when you're 40, but where do you think you wanna go in a general direction and try it on for size? What I tell my students is that a lot of this reminds me of all these high school students coming down the Mississippi River in their little boat. And if they know the ocean that they wanna to get to, if they wanna be, doctor, lawyer, writer, artist, whatever it might be, there is no one college whose decision of yes or no can block them from what they want to do. They are in control of that. It's really easy in college admissions to think that the colleges have all the control to say yes or no. And yes, at any one college, their admissions committee that, that does not know your student personally can look at a piece of paper and go yes, no. But if the student knows what they want to do, there are so many colleges where they'll have a great experience and can get to where they want to go beyond the college. That can help alleviate some of the stress as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so the, the one that I'm just, so I, I'm going to share two stories because I got two, well, I have three teens, but one's only in getting, she's, she's approaching eighth grade. So we're not thinking about her in college. Got time. <laughs> I've got time, but the one who's just being released to college you know, he was really in high school during COVID for the most part, right? It started yeah. when he was a sophomore. So a lot of the opportunities that he might have leaned into, you know, were canceled or, you know, whatever. But one of the things that was really interesting about his process is, so I wasn't very involved in the details, though I do want to get into the details, um, in the sense that he, he was lucky that his high school, and he's just at a normal town high school, but they were very um, structured about like when and recommendations and whatnot. Like a lot of that was was structured for him. Um, but I, but he's, you know, he's he's a. Uh, this is a huge generalization. He's a he's a guy, and you know, comparing him and my daughter, like she's the list maker. He's not, 
And um, so the thing that we did together was, you know, I'd have him make lists and, you know, we'd just check in regularly. But when it came to like deciding what to write about, and he is a very reflective kid, but the coach in me just kept saying, well, like, why, why, why? And he just ended up with the most amazing essay. And he just went deep on like one day of his life, which to me was like, I, I just want to offer that to anybody. Like, so he hadn't had an internship or whatever, but one of the things he did was a few days, a few, I guess a month into COVID, um, he he's a kid who was never an athlete. We never, everyone also who listened to my podcast knows this, like it, when my kids were little, I said no to weekend activities. Like we kept things really simple. Um, and I just had faith that if they were meant to be athletes, when it was like actually time to be an athlete, that would surface. And that is indeed what happened for him. And um, so he, he, he rose. And at the beginning of COVID, that was really hard. And him and a friend at the time when like we didn't, I just want to frame when this was, this was at the beginning of COVID when we didn't have masks yet, right? And masks were really hard to come by and nobody had quite started to like make cute ones. So my, my daughter ended up actually doing that as her own little side hustle at some point, but like that hadn't happened yet. So this was at the point where we were ripping up old sheets and like making masks. It was still at the time when you didn't walk around the block because you weren't sure like if it was passed that way, like we were home. And he decided that he wanted to take the the climb Everest challenge, which literally makes no sense because nobody ever climbs Everest from the bottom to the top and back down again. But he took that distance because somebody in England had done it and he climbed stairs, the amount of from the bottom of Everest to the top with his crew, with his boatmate, with these cloth masks on, which they had to have like. 40 of because they got so wet and gross, you know, after a while. But we found stairs where they were spaced 20 feet apart so they couldn't give each other COVID. They left, they organized this and went at five o'clock in the morning and they finished at one at night. Like, so however, you know, almost 24 hours of walking up and down oh these gosh. stairs. And but by the all, end of it, all like, in once, all at once, not all in one, all in one thing. They stopped to eat lunch. They stopped to have water, but like they, they just kept going. Um, they had to come. We had, because it was COVID, we had to drive them home to go to the bathroom. So we would come and we would drive them twice to go. We drove them two times in that time to go to the bathroom. I think by night they were just like peeing in the grass, but, um, (laughs) so, 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 but by the end, like, you know, my husband and I really were there. Like we weren't sure they were going to make it. Like I, I was like, am I the worst mother ever? Like that I've let my kid do this in the middle of a pandemic, but he ended up writing the most beautiful essay that it started off interestingly, just about this experience, but it ended up going so deep into surrender. And so, Like for me, it was like, by the time he finished his essay, I was like, this was like an expansive soul experience. You know, the writing of the essay, like he really got to the essence of of this moment. And so I was like, even if he doesn't get into college, like whatever he just did to write that essay, like this is good for life. And so for me, the, the, the writing of those essays, the pulling, like the really understanding what his life had meant to him up until that point was a huge opportunity for growth. Now, mm-hmm. I know I'm I'm saying this as somebody who's a coach and helps people do this on a regular basis, so I was definitely but but I offer that to everyone. I really do offer that to everyone listening. Like it can be a stressful experience to have to write all these essays because there is more than one. There I think in the end we're like 25. Mm-hmm. But 
But each one like caused him to really reflect on a specific piece in his life and really understand the like his meaning. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just a beautiful process. It is a rite of passage. It yes, is our, it is a I mean, rite. You is, at, you know, National Geographic, and they've got the people from different tribes around the world going through different initiations for a certain subsection of rather fortunate students in the U.S. who are yes. looking at selective four-year colleges, and that's not the majority. Most yes. students, if they do go to the two higher ed, go to the community colleges. But if they're looking at the selective four-year colleges, they do have to go through this process of self-reflection if they want to write an impactful essay. That is also why those essays are the hardest part of this process. So you had asked earlier about when to plan, and we talked about you start early. If you're starting, it's not if you're starting later, but if you're thinking about college sort of now, my rising seniors, it's, it's July right now, my rising seniors are in the thick of it with finalizing their college lists and writing their essays because there's no time in the fall and you've got that deadline pressure. But at this point, they've already tested. They've got their SAT or ACT scores. Their grades are locked in. They know what they're taking senior year for their classes. It is down to where do they want to apply, getting those essays done. And those essays are are difficult because it is that rite of passage and self-reflection. You can't just sit down and knock it out in an hour or two. It, it won't have that depth that you were discussing that your son's essay had. So then yes. in the fall, you get back to, okay, you have to demonstrate interest now to the different colleges. Because a lot of colleges, if you have a high-flying, what we call a high-flying student, top grades, top test scores, and they have colleges that are sort of targets and likely to let them in, a lot of the likely schools these days are going to say, oh, look at this student. They'll never come to our school. They're overqualified. So we are not going to, quote, waste and admit. It's something called yield protection. They may not get into their safeties, but that means that if they or their likelies, that means that if they are applying to the most selective colleges and they don't get one of those three, four, five percent slots and they don't get into their likely schools, they can be caught in between. It, yes. which is one reason why students are applying to more colleges, which just amplifies the whole thing. Then it becomes more selective and it makes everybody crazy. So trying yeah, to make sure that the, that college list is balanced is really, really key. And that the students are, and the parents too, are giving some love to what, those likely schools. So the parents who say, let's go visit Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. And, and I'm picking on the Ivy League a little bit here, but just to, to make an example. But I think it's good. Don't. <laughs> Don't visit those colleges. Visit the ones where they are likely to get in and the targets. And especially for the parents, cheerlead for all the colleges. You don't want to make the students feel like they are somehow less than or didn't live up to the parents' dreams by not going to one of these colleges where 100 unbelievably well-qualified students are applying and they're going to pick three. And in, in those thousands of questions that I was asking people, here's two things that really stuck with me. Um, one was don't apply to anything you wouldn't want to go to. So even the safeties, right? So it's like, if you think that's the only safety, you're hundred percent wrong. Cause there's like hundreds and thousands of schools out there. There's other schools that will be safeties and are different. So if you don't like it, don't apply to it. So that like, exactly. we kept asking Felix, like, would you go, like, would you be totally happy if this is where you went? Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because he got in early to one of his safeties and we, it, we really worked on that. We really were. He got, was so excited to go there. 
um, good. You know, that's by the exactly time how it and and I, like I felt like that was like my job, though, right? Like that was like what if he got disappointed, I would be like, look at this. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I that was what I that was the piece I took really seriously at that point. And then another thing someone told me about looking, which I really appreciated and liked, was that they thought that there was basically six different situations to look at. There's basically three different sizes, right? Like small, medium, and large. Mm-hmm kinds of schools and then there's country city and suburban yep and so even if you don't look at like all the schools hitting those kind of marks is really helpful because suburban is going to feel similar you know Mm -hmm. and and you might need a car at some point whereas small town is gonna you know some towns are cuter or whatever than others but you know what i mean like it's a similar feel and i really appreciated that advice too especially since it was COVID and we had to be really selective right well, and one of the Where things that go. most families can do is look at colleges within an hour's drive of their home if they have that opportunity. Sometimes if you're way out in the sticks and then, you know, yep. you have to go a little bit further. And I'm not suggesting that they look at those colleges because the student might actually apply and go. But as you said, go see a small college, figure out what it feels like without it being, you know, flying across the country and spending all this yes. money to visit the colleges. So. Do the ones that are local so that the student builds a baseline understanding of these are what college tours feel like. This is the information. There's sort of a a process they go through where at first it all starts to blur together. They see so many colleges that everything seems similar. But after a while, when they really dig into each college's resources and offerings, they'll start to be able to differentiate. So you might as well lay that baseline with the colleges that are easy to get to. Take an afternoon, go visit, register on the school's website. I don't think most parents know that you can go to a college's website and sign up for a college visit, which is also demonstrating interest. You want the college to know that you were there. If you are applying, if the student is applying to a college that is within about four hours drive and they haven't bothered to go visit, if that college is tracking demonstrated interest, they'll go, well, he's not, he's not interested enough to come see. If yeah. the college is on the other side of the country, they're not expecting you to go and visit. You won't Well, and a lot of them we found, I don't know if this is still true, but because of the pandemic, a lot of them, you could go to something on Zoom or online and still have to sign up for it. So Yes. And so, and they're still see. keeping a lot of those sort of remote Zoom, but that's another way to demonstrate interest. Yep. You can demonstrate interest by visiting the rep who is, colleges have represent, representatives who visit different territories of the US. And they'll get to know the high schools in that area, know all the idiosyncrasies, and they stop in and visit to meet the juniors and the seniors. Go into, you know, the students should go introduce themselves, talk about the college, tell the rep that they are interested. That's demonstrated interest. There's a whole chapter in the book about demonstrated interest because it's so important these days. I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. Everyone who has somebody near college, by the way, needs to go buy Beth's book. We'll put it in the show notes. But I'm very excited that this exists because I didn't have this to read. My, I was really, you know, like she just came out with it a month ago. So I was really putting together facts from like anyone I knew who <laughs> who had gone who had gone through this process before. So I just also want to share uh, about. So I also have a 16 year old um, who is. A lot of people here have heard about her because I've been sharing a lot of her about her over the past two years, but she has had a really hard time mentally in the past three years. It's been cute. She's not alone. It's been a journey. Yes. So we'll say it's been a journey. Um, She is probably also 
she, well, I'm not going to say the most of anything in my family, but you know, she's very, very book smart. So, you know, she has the highest grade point average first, like she's just real, she's really smart and, um, and is having a very hard time. And so we've considered all sorts of different situations. <laughs> uh, we've considered pulling her out and homeschooling her for the last two years, um, which isn't helpful to her structured, uh, her desire for structure with anxiety. So we're not doing that. But what she did do in the end was she figured out all on her own how to graduate in three years. So she is just gonna mm -hmm. finish next year which means she's not gonna have all the things that you started off with, right? So she's not gonna have the fourth year of language. Um, she is having all the sciences, all the Englishes. I mean, there's some things that you have to have to graduate. Um, and she's doing all this and she's actually been working a, uh, at a job, which is why we're, we're, Beth and I are talking with me in a different office right now because I brought her to her job. So she's making money and she wants to travel the world. And mind you, we, you know, we're doing some mental health work to make it so that that is going to work out okay. Um, but what's interesting to me is that it can, basically they're treating her as a senior next year, right? So it's like she's mm -hmm. skipping junior year and she's going to be a senior. And so all of a sudden the questions started happening. Are you applying to college? Are you doing this? And it's so interesting how easy it is to be like, well, should we? Should we just let her apply? And then she can just have a gap here and then she doesn't have to worry about it and blah, 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 blah. But like literally what the child needs is just a year off. Like she just needs us to slow this all down for her. She wants to just, she wants to get through. She's totally capable and smart. And then she's going to, you know, go see some different places with, mm -hmm. with friends. We're, we get to, we're walking the Camino together, me and her. So I oh, get to spend nice. a month in Spain with her. Wow. So there's so like so much amazing things are going to come up with this and as somebody living right now in this time, I still have to center myself all the time and like get back to like, wait, what are we, you know, like what's today? So today I'm like, as we talk right now, I'm so grounded and like, we're, of course she's not gonna apply to college, right? And of course, like it's gonna be okay and it's gonna be stressful and we're gonna support her in all the, the workload she's taking on next year. And then she's gonna maybe do this travel. And, you know, we just get to support her every step of the way because this is who she's coming forth as. And is she the child who could go to Harvard? Very possibly. Might that be the right thing for her mental health? Very possibly not, <laughs> you know? So it's like, so it's like how, it's so interesting. Cause it's like, to me, it's like a, a revisiting, like really on a daily basis of like, how are we supporting today? How are we supporting today? And like me just, you know, really um, being clear that we're in the most comfortable place for us. And I think that's, it's really hard. So I just want to honor for anyone listening who's like, but I'm worried that my kid won't get in anywhere or I'm, I'm, I really want them to do this thing or um, I'm giving them an opportunity I never had. Like how Ooh. attached we can be to those things and what an opportunity it is for us as well, this whole process. Like I just want to keep bringing it back to that because for me, that's what's really important for our listeners. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's so I, I love the idea that a couple of different reasons why students might graduate early. Number one, they hate school and they can't wait to get it over with. That doesn't yeah, sound like what what's going on with your daughter. And the, the other one is that it's, it's not really enough for them. They are academically oriented yeah. and they're, they're not moving fast enough. They're not interested enough because they're interested in everything and moving 
a little faster. That sounds a little yes. bit more like where your daughter is. Well, she, she's kind of in between. She doesn't like the system of school, right? Like, so she's yeah. frustrated by their disorder and like the system, like, and she's, she, you know, she'll come home and she'll say like, I love science and I, they're making me hate learning. So like, you know, so she's, she's just responding to the situation in a very, you know, good natural way. So, and she, it's, but it's here's the thing. If she's, a, if she does apply Harvard or wherever else, when she is done with her year of exploration and discovery, right, just having done that, she is going to be, have a different sort of an application, a different flavor, yes. bringing something new to the table. And if you're imagining the colleges are trying to create an interesting class, a cohort of freshmen they're going to bring in all at one time, which is why they don't want everybody to be, you know, white, suburban, middle class, whatever it might be, they need that kid from Alaska, the kid from the Caribbean, someone from another another country, the low socioeconomic status kid, because everybody brings a different perspective to the table in discussions. That's how you learn to expand your own, your own bubble. And it's yes. part of the richness of the experience. So she will have a, a, probably a much more interesting application having done that. And she's going to know more clearly, what does she want? What's her goal here? As opposed to just, you know, okay, everybody's in the same, you know, swimming upstream with everybody else based on, I've been told that this is what I'm supposed to be doing at this stage of life. Here we go. Yeah. And I, but, and the, the thing that I just want like to invite everyone listening to is, how easy it is just the understanding of how easy it is to make choices based on what might make a difference so i feel like her experience would be totally different if i was actually thinking about this from the framework of this is how we're going to get her into college which is not right. at all what i'm thinking about right i'm thinking about what is the best no i know i know it's your take she's like okay a hundred percent a hundred percent and i totally get it but i, I and i think it's an opportunity I think when we really help our kids be exactly who who they're meant to be, like very, you know, and, and that's the work we do, that we are setting them up for the best, you know, essay piece, like the best, you know, we're, we are setting them up for that because we're honoring, you know, that's like an inside out thing instead of the outside in. And I think sometimes when we get caught up in all the outsideness of it and what we're supposed to be doing, it actually becomes harder to plan. It actually oh, becomes really harder like to like figure out the inside out. You're so right about that, because if you have okay, here are the the checklist that you need to get into X Y Z school. That's all about the school, and yeah. it doesn't usually work anyway. I mean, you can have students who spend all their time doing something they hate, trying to get into some particular school, and if they don't get into it, they're mad that they wasted all this time. Don't do that to your kid. Let them. Yeah. Be who they want to be and help them find out who that person is as they're becoming. Yeah, I love it. I love that. And and the thing is, is that the truth is, and the reason everyone's going to go buy Beth books, who, Beth's book, who's listening to this and has this or knows somebody can recommend Beth's book, is because it really is a long laundry list of things that need to be done. Like there, it really is quite an intense plan <laughs> that needs yep. to be made to get this done. And what I find with planning in general is, you know, when it's a Jenga of not meaningful things, it can feel really overwhelming. 
Mm-hmm. And when we can make anything meaningful, which I hope everyone makes this experience for themselves, then yes, there's still this long list and we still have to figure out how to fit it into our days. And it means that we, you know, for us, we we made sure that every, you know, that Felix was, he was coming home late for, for rowing, but, you know, everyone knows that family dinner is really important to me. So we like kept that. That was a time that we always talked. It meant that some Sunday afternoons, me and him had to have a date to like, figure out what was next, see if he needed support with anything. Like, so there was real life things that took time. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really does take time. But again, it's like, what is the meaning you're putting behind that? And um, and how do you make that, make, no matter what the outcome is, feel good? Right. Well, and the other snag for a lot of families is that this is just happening at the time when the students are trying to get a little more separation from their parents. And yes. Say, I can do this, I've got this. And a lot of times they'll say, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. And then they go back to their computer and go, I don't know what I'm doing. But they want to be that independent young adult. They don't want to listen to their parents about this, which is why it helps to have someone who's you know a third party. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, that way the parents can stay in the cheerleader role. I support you. This is great. I want you to do this. And give all that other you know, helping you find a schedule, figuring out where to apply, Obviously, the parents have to sign off on that, but just a, a more neutral third party that they are much more willing to listen to because a lot of times they give so much pushback to the parents. You don't seem to have that, but you seem to have a really good way to balance. Yeah, but I, I put myself in the cheerleader role uh, very purposefully, yeah. so I right. did not do a lot of the organizing role, right? So yeah, so definitely I hear well, that and that's amazing. And, and a lot of students don't really know how to organize something this giant. If you've had yeah. anyone in Scouts who's gone through Eagle Scouts or um, the Gold Award for the Girl Scouts, they've learned how to manage a giant project with a lot of little pieces. If they haven't had that experience, this is, it's not that any one piece is so daunting, except maybe the essays. The essays are really difficult for the students to write often, but there are so many pieces that need to come together at the right time. And that's part of sort of the juggling and making sure that none of these pieces get left by the wayside and you're in a panic mode as the deadlines are coming. It's just making sure you've got everything together when it needs to be together, preferably before the deadline. Because if you can think of, the Common Application Portal is an online portal where most of the private colleges and a lot of the public colleges have their online application forms. And the deadlines are usually the same for hundreds of colleges, November 1st, January 1st. So you've got thousands of kids getting on this platform on the same day to submit and it can start slowing down and you can miss the deadline just because it's the you know, the beach ball is spinning and you haven't been able to submit. So pulling those deadlines back, submit a few days or a week earlier. You also mentioned that um, your son had an early in. And for students who are super nervous that no college will let me in, I won't get in anywhere, finding some of those rolling admission schools where they get the application in August or September, they evaluate it in the next two, three, four weeks and you get an answer. It's usually positive because the rolling admission schools are not as selective. They've got one in their pocket. It helps them breathe a sigh of relief and they can go on to the other applications feeling a little more confident that they have a place to go. Yeah. And I mean, what we know 
from planning around here as well is that, you know, as adults planning, one of the things we always talk about here is that you, it's so much, you, the reason planning works is because you want to be in a positive mindset when you're sitting down to plan. Whereas sometimes when we sit down to do something and we don't have a plan and we're just doing it and we're not in a positive mindset, it can make it so much harder to to do Mm it. So I would say the same works for our kids, right? So if they already have that confidence, then they can sit down and write an essay, you know, with that more confidence that they somebody's already wants them, you know, because kids are always taking things personally because they're they're young. Um, yes. And as much as we tell them it's not personal, I can rest. You can rest assured that somewhere in there they're taking it personally <laughs> for the most part, especially, especially when things. You know, for most students, somewhere in this process, at least one college will say no. That's hard. Yes. It's really hard because they think, why was I not up to par, whatever, whatever they internalize that when they really shouldn't. It might be that the student played piccolo and the colleges needed a cello player. And it really has nothing to do with the student. It has to do with the what we call institutional priorities. Yes. And I'm just going to put it out there. It's so hard when the no comes and it will. And again, it's an opportunity like that we are there as the adult holding space for our kids to have a no, because if they're doing anything worthwhile in life, they're going to get some no's in Mm -hmm. life, right? Whether that's a job or whatever. And we're there this time. So we can be the ones there. You know, it's you don't have to say everything's okay. You don't you're just there as like a loving person. And they get to experience what a no is like so that when another no comes in life, which it will, they have that experience of it not being traumatic. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like in the college process, there's like so much opportunity to, for us as parents, um, it is, I love that you said it's like an initiation because it's like an initiation to so, like so many things Mm -hmm. Um, and such an opportunity for us to show up and be supportive. Well, and I think it's hard too because in a way, graduating from high school, you sort of step off the cliff a little bit into this unknown. <laughs> you're at the beginning of senior year. You don't know where you're going to be living, what yeah. state, where are you going to be a year from? Yeah, so it's there's crazy. This, this uncertainty. And if you go to the refuge of, if I can see myself at this one college, I really love this college. I hope I'm there. You have that vision. And suddenly that vision dissipates because for whatever reason, college A said yes, college B said no, they have to adjust that. I I just think it's that uncertainty is really hard because they're so used to going seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, high school, college, but which college, where do they go? That it's it's a lot to wrap up in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we we get to hold it. It's such a fun time. (laughs) If only at the same time as mothers, we weren't in this like, crazy. We did an episode not too long ago. So people can go check it out with Dr. Anna Kabeca about how we we were doing it on hormones. And it's like literally like at the air, the time of like when most of us have had kids and are releasing kids, like a woman's hormones are like so all over the place. Right. And so it's like, we're dealing with that. Plus like kids are dealing with their hormones. Like literally they couldn't meet at a harder place. (laughs) So that's all happening as we're like releasing our kids off to college. Well, and then depending on who you, who, who the friends are in your social circle, there can be a lot of pressure of, oh, yes. you're not applying to that college, are you? I have had a lot of parents just utterly scoff at different 
likely safety schools. Oh, my child could never be. I mean, it's like this horrifying thought that they could possibly be at the school that might be a great place for them. And yeah. I sometimes I'll get parents, well, my student is the valedictorian, 4.5 GPA. So of course he's going to get into Harvard. Like, yeah, no, it doesn't really work like that anymore. Maybe it used to back in the day. It doesn't. There are kids from all over the planet applying. We have, I think if you add up all of the spaces in the Ivy League, you've got 18,000 spots and you've got 25,000 valedictorians, 75,000 kids in the U.S. who are in the top three in their class. It's not, a, it's not a guarantee that if they have a high GPA and test scores, they're going to get in. They, the colleges are looking for students who are interesting, likable, curious, have done really unique things. Like you were talking about the walking Everest. What a creative thing to do. And COVID was really interesting in that because if the student just sort of threw up their hands and said, well, nothing I can do, I have to stay at home and do nothing. Versus the students who came up with some really creative ideas of how to spend their time, how to help, what they can do, right there is a differentiator for a lot of the colleges too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I could literally talk to Beth for like hours. <laughs> This is a long podcast as it's been. So we're going to come to a close now. Um, we didn't get into the money piece, which maybe we we'll have to get you back on. That's, I know. It's an important piece. But that's but do you write about it in your book? It is? <laughs> it's okay, all okay, about great, chapter great. two. It's the longest chapter great. in the book. Yeah. So everyone who's thinking about this process, please go read Beth's book. I think the thing that one of the things that helped me ground the most was just not like the more that I kept understanding, the more I could come back to what I wanted. Right. Like the more I just understood about the process, which I think one of the most ungrounding things of any situation is when we just don't understand the process, which is basically what Beth just explained is happening to our kids. So if we can be grounded while they're being ungrounded, that's just always a helpful mix. So is there so we're all going to get your book. The link is in the show notes or anyone who has somebody going to college is going to go get Beth's book. Well, how else can we find you? What else do we need? To I am know? at collegeprepcounseling.com is my website is the best way to go. And I've got a Facebook group. Uh, I don't even remember what the Facebook group name is. We'll put it in the show we'll notes. We'll put perhaps. the link in the show notes. But it's, awesome. it's a free group. You do have to say, yes, I'm going to follow the rules and be nice and all that stuff in order to get in. But you can ask questions there. I'm in there all the time, just answering questions awesome. for families. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, this is fun. And it's interesting how much I like talking about this right now. But it's, it's fun. fun to talk about. So thank you for having yes. me on. Oh, you're welcome. At the end of every episode, we always choose three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where change happens. And here's the thing. A lot of the times we want big results. We have big goals and our brain automatically goes to the idea that that is action that is too hard, too big, too long, all the things. But I have seen over and over and over again, both in my own life and the life of clients and Flow365ers, that the little things, the doable changes, they really do add up. In fact, I think they're even more impactful than making a big change. So at the end of every episode, we always choose three doable change, changes based on our conversation with our guest so that you can start to take action. And again, we choose three, but we don't do that so you have to take on all three. We do that so that you can choose one and really lean into it, make it work for your life and see where that takes you. All right. So here are the three for my conversation with Beth. Number one, check your own ideas. 
get really clear on what you want out of the process. You might ask yourself questions like, what do I want my child to get out of college? What do I think going to college or a specific college will do for my child? If I'm set on my child getting into a specific school and an Ivy or something similar, why is that so important to me? What do I consider a good school? How does feedback from family or friends affect my thoughts on where my child applies or goes? What concerns do I have about the process? So this is a deep dive into your own understanding. I highly recommend this process when your kids are any age because it affects so many of the things that we do and show up to. In fact, I've coached women who have kids who are 10 and they're thinking about sports and really the reason that they're doing them has more to do with college than anyone in their family's enjoyment of the situation. So this is not bad work to do even long before your kiddo is going off to college. And I would say it might be interesting to do for each child if you have multiple kids, because sometimes we bring different thoughts and beliefs to each kiddo. All right. That is doable change number one. That's kind of a big one. So you can see why we don't take multiples on at a time. Number two, get the book. So go find best book. We've linked to it in the show notes. I got more and more clarity personally as I asked questions, but I wished I had started with a guide or a timeline or a set of checklists or just understanding what I didn't know about or what I needed to ask about. And Beth's book really is a one-stop shop for that. It's called College Admissions, The Essential Guide for Busy Parents. And it will take you through all the different steps and all the different categories and the timeline and all the things. So I highly recommend that, even though I did not find it quite in time. I hobbled together a lot of things, and I promise that when you hobble together a lot of things, you generally take more time than necessary. All right, number three, schedule local college visits. So this is something that I heard early on, and we were doing this in the midst of the pandemic, by the way, so everything was slightly different. But I did hear this tip early on from somebody who came to speak at our school about finances in college. And it was a really helpful one because at the time, at the beginning of the process, my son thought he wanted to go far, far away to California. And this is when planes weren't necessarily working and campuses were closed and it felt really far to go to a closed campus. And so the strategy is to plan to visit colleges within an hour or a reasonable drive from where you are. I guess there's some people who don't have things within an hour. I'm definitely lucky to live in the Boston area where we have lots and lots of colleges. But they don't have, the point is, is that they don't have to be schools that your child is actually considering. They just start to get a a sense of what kind of school they want. So urban versus suburban versus country, small, medium, large, they, they tend to have a similar feeling. And so you can start to get a feeling for the school, even if you're in Connecticut instead of California. Eventually, you're going to want to go see the school that your kid gets into. But actually, we did a lot of visits after, and that really felt like it saved a lot of time. And it really leaves a baseline and and helps you understand what it is that you're looking for and what ends up on the list. 
So those are the three doable changes from this episode. If anyone's in this process, I would be happy. I'm always happy to share my experience. You can message us on Instagram and we will, I will get that message and I will try to respond. And I'm really excited for anyone who's in this process for you to do this in a way that really serves your family and grows you and your kid in the process. It really is a growth process. So use it as that. All right. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart and have a great day. 